Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Rob Nutter. Rob is on Twitter at Robert G. Nutter. Very fascinating guest. He brings, of course, uh, some different decades of experience in the world of political discussion to the show, and and I really appreciate him coming on. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Rob Nutter. Rob, how are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for having me today. Really appreciate you coming on. Rob Nutter, of course, the father of Adam Nutter. I know that's not uh, what your life goal was to be introduced as, but in the world of the libertarian uh, and comedy type sphere, that's kind of who you're known as. You would agree? Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually known as the funny of the two. The, the funnier, funnier of, of, the two. of the two. The funnier okay. of the two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you can follow Rob on Twitter at Robert G. Nutter. That's N-U-T-T-E-R. Rob, we were on Adam's podcast together, and I thought it was very fascinating. We got to have some different types of conversations, and, and I think it's neat to get some different perspectives on political ideology. You and your son, Adam, appear to be both, um, as I would describe myself, right-leaning, libertarian-type political identity. Would you agree with that assessment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That that would be spot on. Uh, You know, he learned from the best, so (laughs) what can I say? But uh, he, he always did have the the same ideas that, that I did. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things about Adam, and I know I, I tease him a lot. And I say a lot of things about him, uh, most of which are true. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the whole thing with him is, uh, and one of the things I always try to, to, to teach him as, as a kid growing up, whether regardless of, of the topic is just to keep an open mind, uh, whether that's to ideas, people, places, food, whatever, just keep an open mind. 
uh, don't have any preconceived notions or ideas and experience it as it comes. And, and if that makes sense to you, if, if that fits into what you know to be true or, or believe to be true, then, then go with it. I love it. I, I think learning more about how someone's political opinions or stances was born is a very fascinating topic. I'm 39 years old. I think Adam's like 37 or 36, something along those 36. lines. 36. 36 years old. So he's right yeah. along uh, my uh, same age group. Of course, you are older. If it's all right, Rob, could you? Really? Int- <laughs> was that helpful? I don't, I don't feel older. I mean, my body feels older, but my head still says, oh, you're 18. You can do this. You could do that. No, you can't. <laughs> you, you could try, but it doesn't usually work out well. Rob, could you introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show audience? Who's Rob Nutter? Where did you grow up at? Um, what are your earliest memories? And I guess for the sake of today's episode, it's more uh, angled toward political ideology. But who are you? Where are you from? And what got you started at the very beginning? Well, with, without this being the uh, the Robert G. Nutter show, I'll, I'll try to keep this as succinct as Let's possible. have this episode be the Robert G. Nutter show, and, and we can talk later. You will have a podcast coming out toward, yeah. the, toward the middle yeah. of 2023, so that's a little bit of a right. teaser there. But for the right. sake of this episode, let's keep this as the Robert G. Nutter show. Let's hear who are then, you, where are you from. This will be a, a little bit of a tease and an advertisement for that. Uh, yeah, what, what happened was is... Uh, Grown up in Brooklyn, uh, grown and raised, and uh, had a had a really really good time there. Uh, great childhood. Uh, grew up in the fifties, uh, late late fifties, sixties uh, uh, mostly, and uh, it was it was just uh, awesome growing up there. Really really liked it. Had a great time. Uh, not much that I could say that was bad about it. Uh, you know, it was what it was, you know, uh, father wasn't, uh, particularly wealthy, you know, family wasn't, but, uh, we had what we needed. So that was great. What, what type of work did your, your parents do? If you don't mind, I ask. Yeah. Well, my, my father, uh, was in the second world war. So, uh, he was an old ex Navy man. And, uh, he, when he, when he came out, he, he was actually very talented, very skilled with his hands. Uh, so he did a lot of things. He was a jeweler and, and did some carpentry work and, and he did a lot of different things. He ended up, at, he was also actually good with numbers. I guess that came from the Navy and, uh, and, uh, whatnot, but, uh, he ended up becoming what we call an estimator, uh, for a, a major aerospace company. And, uh, eventually, uh, I actually worked for that company for uh, a brief period of time. Uh, in, in my history and growing up and, and going from one position to another, trying to find out uh, where I fit into things. Uh, but we, we had enough. Uh, we, we did a lot of things. We went a lot of places. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was really, really a, a wonderful time to, to grow up. Uh, part of that baby booming era, you know, I had two older brothers. So one was four years older, one was six. Uh, so we really had all separate groups of friends, uh, but it was just uh, an amazing time. That was the period in, in time when uh, if you were out uh, late, uh, someone on the block uh, and growing up in Brooklyn, there's a lot, a lot of people 
uh, would say, hey, what are you doing out so late? I, I know your mom. You better get home. <laughs> you know, that was a time when, when neighbors still looked out for, for neighbors. Uh, it was very homey. It was very nice. Uh, and uh, it was just a wonderful experience altogether. Uh, yeah, there, there were some, some crazy things going on at that time, uh, politically, uh, socially. Uh, the, the Vietnam War was, was raging when I was a, a teenager still, and I was getting closer to, to draft age. Uh, I know most people uh, in the history books, they, they rib President Nixon and, oh, he was this, he was that, and something else. But me, I, I actually love the guy because he ended the war before I got drafted. So that was, that was great in, in, in my book. So early, it sounds the first thing you've mentioned is the as far as related to foreign policy and the political world would be you being happy that you were not drafted into to the, oh, oh yeah to the Vietnam oh, yeah, War. Right. So that must have resonated with you, and I assume oh, that is time. that is consistent, of course, with being a a liberty or libertarian leaning person in twenty twenty two. But have you maintained that anti war type of stance? all the while. Yeah. It's, it's been something that, uh, you know, if, if, if it doesn't feel right, it's more than likely it's not. Uh, if you look at all of the wars we have been in since Vietnam and, and you know, the funny thing growing up during that period, let me, let me just jump back to that for a minute. Getting into that period, you know, in the beginning I was for the Vietnam war as, as a teenager. I thought, you know, that's what everybody around me was saying. Yeah, we have to do this because of the domino effect and the communists are going to take over and yada, yada, yada. And uh, I remember then in, uh, in uh, uh, high school, our teachers having us read a paper. We could choose any paper we wanted to, but we had to read a paper. So I used to read the New York Times. And again, growing up in New York, New York Times was the paper to read. So I read the New York Times. And at that time, yes, they were liberal leaning. Uh, but there were a lot of articles because it was still really news at that time and with real reporters at that time. And so there was a lot of, uh, news about the positive side of the war and why it was necessary and blah, blah, blah. And then as, you know, as opposed to why we shouldn't be there. And even though there were far more news articles about why we shouldn't be there, you know, I read a lot of why we should be there. And the more I read those articles, the more it convinced me that we shouldn't be there <laughs> because things just didn't add up. What they were saying didn't add up. It didn't make any sense. So it really wasn't what the, uh, what the articles against the war that convinced me this was a bad thing. It was the articles that were for the war that, that convinced me this was a bad thing. And, and I wasn't the only one. A lot of my friends felt the same way. So one of the things that I feel really sad about today is that the news is so slanted in one direction that they don't give anyone the chance to make that discovery on their own. And then as, as you look by, again, during my period, you had the opportunity to make up your own mind as opposed to now where everyone forces you and spoon feeds you what they want you to think. And, you know, that's in the schools, that's in the, in the, uh, in 
the written word. It's on TV. It's everywhere. So I, I feel that that really hurt. So you, from an early age, when it came to the Vietnam War and the fight against communism, I, of course, was I wasn't born till 83. So, of course, this is all just kind of me going on what I've heard or read. Uh, right. Was the sentiment kind of if you were anti-war, oh, that must mean you're pro-communism. That's the type of rationale that, you know, we've seen in more recent years. Oh, you're anti-stoking nuclear, um, you know, nuclear war with Russia. That must mean you love Putin. You know, those types of leaps. So was it yeah, similar uh, rhetoric yeah. or propaganda at that time? Yeah, very, very much so. If, if you were against the war, then you were against America. And, you know, but that was what was in all those articles. That's that's what the that's what that side was was pushing. Uh, that we had to stop this, and you know, uh, better better dead than red. You know that that kind of idea, uh, which which really was was not not true at all. Uh, which is why it's it's dangerous, and why you need to be an independent thinker, because anytime you just look at one side, be it left or right. Uh, you're only being given a certain amount of information. And, and to make any kind of real rational decision, you need all the information, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. You need to take it all in. Uh, I remember at the time, uh, science would do that. They would take in all the information, and they would just give it to you as they found it at that time, what they believed it to be at that time. Now, who gets the grant money, and that's the way that they sway things. You know, it's just so much, so much different from when it used to be, which is why I think the, one of the reasons today that kids can't make decisions. Uh, well, they, well they, they make decisions. I take that back. They just make poor decisions. They make very bad decisions because they were never really told how to think, how to reason. Uh, one of the things that I, I do in, in, my, in my work is I interview uh, young people coming in for a position with the company. And uh, it's not easy to do because their thought processes and as they answer questions and, and as we move through that process, uh, it's, it's very disjointed. Uh, it's not smooth. Uh, there's not a clear flowing rhythm uh, to their thought process. And it's, it's kind of scary, actually. And, and I'm always shaking my head going, boy, you know, uh, how, how did they get this far in life when, when they, they can't put, you know, a paragraph together well? Uh, or they can't convey a, a meaning thought and they're, they're jumping all over the place. Uh, you know, so again, uh, having grown up in those 50s and, and 60s, even though there was a lot going on, uh, you still had the ability to, to think independent of, of what other people wanted you to do. And, and actually, that was one of the things that I, I try to bring up uh, my son with. Uh, you know, think for yourself. Listen to what people say, both sides in the middle, but think for yourself. And I think that's, that's the most effective way to do it. I would say it appears you did a good job with Adam, all jokes aside. He, even though he's, what, 36 years old, he has a, a pretty interesting collection of experiences. I mean, I didn't know till I, I yeah. interviewed him, I don't know, oh, six, yeah. six months ago, that he was actually a police mm -hmm. officer at one point. That's very fascinating. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. And you know, I, I can tell some stories about that. And, and this is why I'm, I'm actually proud of him. I, I mean, I'd never, you know, make a big deal about it, but he, he won't hear this. So you can brag on him. He won't hear this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to go to his head, you know, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, he would tell me when he came back from some of his shifts, you know, what took place and what happened. And, and I was actually very proud of the way he handled himself. He handled himself uh, and, and with people with, with dignity and respect. And, uh, and really I, I was, I was very, very proud of the way that he, he pursued that career. I know now he looks back on it. Like he was a tool of the government and yada, 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 and he shouldn't have done it and whatnot. I think he has some regrets in that point, but and during that period of time, that almost eight years that, that he was working there, uh, I, I know a lot of those stories. Uh, I don't know if he ever told you that he was attacked by someone with a knife. No, I don't think so. Nope. Okay. And uh, it, it was, they, they pulled up, they found a car just with the motor running in the middle of, of the street. And then his partner radioed in and, and they looked around the car and they saw the address was only like two blocks away. So my son walked to the address just to ring it and say, Hey, I don't know if someone stole your car, but it's in the middle of the street and the door opens up and, and this six foot four inch guy comes at him with a, with a butcher knife with his mother, the guy's mother trying to hold him back. Who's like five foot, nothing. And he comes charging down the stairs at my son and my son runs around the police car. Okay trying to calm the situation at a point where he could have easily taken out his weapon and, and shot the man, but he didn't. Hmm. So there are a lot of incidents like this. Uh, and, and then actually just to end the story. So people are wondering how it ended. Uh, the, the mother kept tugging on this guy's back and, and he turned around. So my son ran around the car again, still having his gun holstered jumped on the guy and at that time he had also been doing uh, MMA so took him down put him in a hold and waited for his partner to get there and that's how it ended no one got hurt uh, and there were many instances where, where things happened along those lines so I was I was very proud of the way he handled himself uh, very very proud that doesn't sound like a pleasant uh, situation to be put into. I know it's easy to be critical of, of police officers, but what do you do if someone's coming at you and trying to kill you? I mean, what, uh, what are your absolutely. options? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he had, and he was within right to take the gun out and defend himself. But again, knowing there's, there's an innocent behind him, which was his mother. And, you know, you're shooting at someone who knows what happens to those bullets. So, and, and this you have to think of in not even seconds, but fractions of seconds, because you just have to react to the situation. So, you know, and that's only one instance. There, there are many instances like that during his career. Uh, so, like you said, I, I guess, you know, he, he took to heart, you know, a lot of our conversations and, and, and really put that into, into practice. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I am very proud of him. So... Born in the 50s, raised in the 50s and 60s. You remember mm -hmm. that you were a fan of, of Nixon for 
ending. Well, I was I, I was a fan of Nixon because he ended the war and for, I get stuck for ending the Vietnam whole war, war and, and therefore you did not have to serve in the war. I, absolutely, because I knew at that point it was a huge mistake. It, it was terrible. I mean, now if we look back at it, and most people will say, "Yeah, that was just so so terrible." And was even worse is the way those people were being treated when they came back. Mm. And and they had absolutely, I mean, what do you, what do you do? Uh, I I don't run, you know. I, I face what I have to face. And my son was the same way. I knew a lot of people that were there were the same way. They were drafted. They went. They did their duty. They came back. They shouldn't be responsible for the mess that politicians made. Uh, you know, that's totally a different story. So, you know, and they came back and they really were not treated well. I have uh, one of my wife's uh, cousins that, that she's uh, married to. And, uh, you know, he's still suffering from from Agent Orange from, from that. So, and. Uh, being taken care of well, no. Uh, probably the, the, the people that are taken care of the least well in our country, unfortunately, are veterans. Uh, it's just a shame. Uh, they sacrifice more than, than anybody, and, you know, they really get very little in return. But that's, you know, my own view. And I would like to see a lot less of that. Uh, obviously, you know, all these wars that came up after that. So every time a war came up, and my son can actually quote you, uh, there were times when I said, oh, this is going to be bad. They're going to drag us into another one. <laughs> and he said, Dad, I remember when you said long before we got into it that such and such a thing was going to happen. I says, well, that's because now you're starting to think. Uh, you know, uh, the government, uh, institutions, businesses, they don't want you to think. They want you to follow. Uh, everything they do is geared towards following. When I grew up, uh, it was still about thinking. You had to think for yourself. That's what my father taught me. He says, don't just take even what I say as gospel. It, think for yourself. Think it out. Think it through. And uh, that was a big deal. So during that period, the 50s, the 60s, I would say even into the 70s, uh, you still had that opportunity to, to pretty much think for yourself. But things were starting to turn, and, and I could see it even way back then. And, uh, you know, I always thought that the, the U.S. government was probably the most sound, safest government that was out there. Uh, over the years, uh, you know, everything changes. And if, even if you go back over 200 years in history and you look at the Declaration of Independence, if you look at all the founding fathers, and everything that they wrote. And I think even at some point, uh, I think it was Ronald Reagan that even said that, uh, you know, democracy is, is only a decade away from disappearing. And if it's, it's the people in, in the present, you know, if they don't keep that sacred, then it can absolutely go away. Basically, that they, they were saying is that, that people are people. It doesn't matter what day, what age, what year. Uh, what century, they're, they're just all the same. And, and power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, just look at what's going on over in, in China and places like that, where they still have, you know, basically total control. Uh, so if, if you're not thinking, if you're not reacting, if you're just swallowing 
the governmental line uh, or, or the line of, of industry or, or advertising or whatever, uh, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble because they are going to lead you down a path that's good for them and not for you. <laughs> and, and it's been like that since time memoriam, and it always will be. And uh, basically, democracy rests on those people who are, who are, are rebels, who, who are not willing to go along with the status quo, uh, who, who are going to rebel. Uh, if you remember, you going back, John Adams was considered a rebel rouser. <laughs> okay. Well, it all depends on which side of the, uh, of the fence you're on. Uh, freedom fighter, rebel rouser, you know. Uh, but, but more than that, it, it's depending on your mindset. And, and if you can think uh, without being led. Uh, if you can think without being led, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, if you need to be led and, and you have no thoughts on anything, then we're in trouble. And, and from what I can see uh, from a lot of the, uh, the people today, between what they're being taught in school and what they're not thinking, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I think that's the biggest difference when we look at the kind of political landscape that existed when I grew up and the current political landscape. Uh, I would say the Democrats, when I grew up, were what you would consider left-leaning Republicans today. And uh, the Republicans at that time, what you might consider right-wing. Today, uh, I think most of the Republicans are far left. And, and the Democrats, I wouldn't even call far left. Uh, I wouldn't even call them radical. I would call them Marxist communists. Uh, so as I was growing up through all of this and I'm seeing the changes in the political parties themselves, I said, you know what? Uh, maybe I'm, I'm in really an independent. <laughs> Still trying to buy into the, into the system. Uh, and I'm saying, maybe I'm just an independent and I don't go with these guys or with those guys. Uh, but then, you know, it just, every, they both kept getting more radical and more crazy and, you know, who, who wanted war all the time. And I'm just like, for what, why, what is the reason? And, you know, again, well, weapons of mass destruction and just a case in point. I mean, there's, there's many instances, but just. Oh, gee, well, we started the war. We went through the whole country and we cleaned it and we went through every grain of sand. Oh, guess what? There are no weapons of mass destruction. What a surprise. And just another way to try to force the country to go along with what they had intended in doing anyway. Uh, and that's, that's when it's, it starts to get crazy. And then, and then you start to look, and that's when I started to look more into uh, the political system itself. And, uh, and I'm saying, wait a minute, none of this, not what the Republicans are preaching, not what the Democrats are preaching, not what the, the few independents seem to be standing for, none of this has anything to do with what our original republic was. And then, lo and behold, guess not. Guess what? Uh, the, the Libertarian Party was there. And I said, who are these guys? And that's when I started to realize, oh, so I've been a secret libertarian all these years. So I guess it's time to come out of the closet because I'm not any of these other people. They're, they're all crazy as far as I'm concerned. 
They have nothing to do with what America stands for or should be or could be. Uh, and, and that's really the road that took me. So I'd say somewhere in the 80s, uh, probably a little before Adam was born, like, like in the early 80s. Uh, let see, I got married in 1980. So I'd say about 82 or 83. You know, I realized that, you know what, um, I'm, not, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not independent. I'm not any of these people. But it wasn't until, I think, uh, after Adam that I realized that there was, you know, a party that, that I did believe in and, and whose, whose goals and objectives was exactly the way I thought things should be. And that was the Libertarian Party. And I went, wow, where have you people been all my life? I never even knew you existed. And uh, which again is unfortunate because just like they do on, you know, Google or Facebook or anything else, it was all suppressed. Everything is suppressed. It's so they can run their little scam of their two party system and keep the power and keep the control and, and keep the people ignorant. And again, what they're trying to groom are just a bunch of sheep. Uh, They don't want you to think for yourself. And anyone who does, you're labeled a threat, a renegade, a terrorist, or, you know, whatever. Uh, And uh, that's when I realized, oh, there is something out there for me. Uh, The the problem is, is that from from what I can see in in talking to other people about it, when I say, hey, don't, don't you think we shouldn't be involved in all these wars and we should be taking care of our own people and we should be doing this and doing that, Everyone will agree with me. And I say, well, then you know what? You should belong to the Libertarian Party. And they go, no. And then who's that? And what's that? And what do they do? And what's, you know, it, it's, a, it's completely different. Completely different because people just don't know about it at all. And so I think one of the things that is good today, especially, is, is that it's becoming a little bit more uh, aware. Uh, and, and that's exactly what it needs to be. Because the only way, in my opinion, uh, for us to go on as a, as a free country, as a democracy, as a constitutional republic, is for uh, the, the Libertarian Party to have a much, much greater say and much more influence in the political system. Or else we're, we're going to be trapped. Uh, one of these parties is going to edge out the other, and, and there goes democracy there goes everything i mean look at the way it stands now look at all the attacks on the first amendment look at all the attacks on the second amendment on the third amendment on the fourth amendment you can just go down the list and everything the government is trying to do these days is trying to suppress the bill of rights i mean for me If you had said that back in the 1950s, they they, they would have taken you out and and strung you up on a flagpole somewhere. You could have never gotten away with it. And yet today, absolutely fine. So it it just shocks me. I just read an article about what they're doing in Canada where these uh, paraplegics uh, and and other uh, uh, people were were asked uh, by the government if they wanted them to be assisted in suicide and things like that. I mean... You know, this crazy stuff, again, if you had said that when I was growing up, you, you, would, you would not have made it out unbloodied out of the room. It just wouldn't have happened. Uh, again, here, 
if if you say the wrong pronoun to someone, uh, you're a horrible individual and, and, and person. So, you know, from where I'm coming from to to today, uh, it might as well be light years away. Uh, not not even decades, but light years away. Uh, we used to handle things far differently. Was it better? That could be debatable, but it it was uh, much more conclusive. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> There wasn't a lot of gray areas. It, it, you, you either did something or you didn't. Uh, all of this middle ground stuff where you could just be and do whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as you want, that just didn't fly. Uh, and, and it shouldn't fly. Um, for the Kelly Patrick Show audience, my goal is the local combat sports community in Louisville, Kentucky, surrounding states, listens, of course, other people listen across the country uh, who mm-hmm. tune in mostly for the libertarian-themed guests. Um, but my intention is we will have many people who lean politically Republican to listen to the episode, okay? And, and, and Rob, what my question is, is inevitably some of those listeners right now are thinking, okay, Rob, so your solution is the Libertarian Party they're not going to win. You're, you guys are just doing mental, you know, mental masturbation, basically. You're, yeah, in theory, you've got some utopian view. This, these are the types of rebuttals I deal with. That's why, that's why I'm no. so good at articulating them. But there you, it, go. you are, you are uh, yeah, in theory, the Libertarian Party is great, but they're not going to win. You guys are wasting your time. By even talking about this, you need to pick the Republicans or the Democrats and support one of those teams because those are the only two that have any chance at winning. What would your rebuttal be to that type of a, a stance for the sake of this, let's say, from a Republican-leaning listener, which I know there are many of who are listening? Well, I have to tell you, being in sales, I mean, this is the actual kind of argument you, you want to hear because you, you're not really a salesman until people say no. Okay. <laughs> as, as, as you found out. <laughs> so what, what you need to do is, is, is ask them if, if they want to change and is their party making that change? If they're not making that change, then they have to look for someone and a party that is. And it's the same thing. If you join and your family joins, and your friends join, what happens to the Libertarian Party? It starts to grow. That's how any party grows. That's how the Republican Party grew. That's how the Democratic Party grew. Uh, that's how, and, and you know, not for anything, but the, but the Republican Party didn't really come into effect until Lincoln's time. So that's, that's long after, long after the Democratic Party had established itself. So can a brand new party start? Absolutely. But instead of complaining about doing something, how about doing something? And that doing something is to sort of put your money where your mouth is. Okay. If you're going to complain about how bad everyone is, then what are you going to do about it? If you're just going to bitch and moan and complain, then nothing is ever going to change, not just politically, but in your own personal life for that matter. 
Uh, gee, I have no money. Well, you keep spending all your money. Uh, if you stop spending all your money, you'll have some money. Oh, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep spending all my money. Well, then don't bitch and complain about it because you're never going to get anywhere. If they're not doing what you like and what you want and what they should be doing, then it's time to change. And you have to look for that change in a party that is looking to go back to the way this country was originally intended to be operated. That was the success. When they talk about the boom, uh, the boom, I should say, of, of, uh, of, of the U.S. and that why we progress so fast and so far, uh, that's because they operated on a libertarian ideas. Libertarian ideas are not new. Uh, they're not pulling ideas and things out of the air. Uh, th this is how the country really operated from the very beginning. And this is what we need to go back to. What if someone's say, listening and they are a Trump supporter and they say, mm -hmm. during Trump, we had record low, um, you know, before COVID, some of the, the, mm -hmm. the things he could brag about was record low unemployment for African-Americans. Uh, right. Inflation was under control. The gas right. prices were doing pretty good. Jobs reports were coming back. Everything was looking great. Now Biden's right. in office and everything's headed to shit. So I'm going to vote for Donald <laughs> Trump in 2024 because I want more of what happened when he was in office. How would you respond to that? Well, again, you're, you're looking at the, at the exact same thing. You're still feeding the two big beasts in the room and, and Donald Trump, let's just say for argument's sake that he's a great guy, that this is all altruistic and he's only doing this for the good of the country and cares nothing about himself, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. What happens when he goes, what are you left with? You're left with the same system. You're left with the same people in charge, people that have been, who maybe haven't even been elected and that, but that are in that party forever, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years that are entrenched in these systems. Uh, they're working that system for their own good, not for your good. So it, it doesn't matter. Great. So you have one guy who does a bang up job. Awesome. Uh, what are you going to do the rest of the time? Where is that going to lead you? Uh, that's just, that's like, you know, putting one stitch on a huge open wound. Okay. So you put one stitch. So that one spot is, is going to do just fine. What about the rest of the open wound? And, and that's what we're facing now. We're facing just an open wound politically. Uh, let's face it, no, no matter what party you look at, the uh, Democrats want to be the only party. Uh, they, they love the Chinese model, and, and we all see what they're doing. Uh, they're, they're putting people in homes and then sealing the doors so you can't get out. That's, that's a great, they're, they're putting, you know, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many thousands and thousands of people that they've quarantined, uh, just thousands. Uh, I remember that with the Hardly show, again, because the, the, uh, they, they won't show it to you on TV, but uh, so many of these people were even, a lot of them were starving because they couldn't even go out to shop. So this is the model that, that the Democrats seem to be going towards. Uh, yeah, one party, 
you know, because that has worked so well. That's worked so well in, in the history of mankind. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it hasn't. But again, if you're not thinking for yourself, if you're not looking at history, and if you're not going through this stuff and you're just doing what people tell you to, then you're going to think, oh, yeah, this is wonderful because they can make all the decisions. That has never, ever, ever worked. Ever worked. Uh, back in the beginning they, they want, of this country, they wanted to make uh, George Washington king. And he said, no, no, it, it doesn't work. He says, we just fought a war to get rid of a king. I, I, you don't want to make me a king because as, as great as I am, I'm, I'm not, you, you don't want that system. So he, he understood, he understood what that system was. They all did at that time. Anytime you have a monarch, someone with absolute control, uh, it's ne- it never turns out well. Never does, except for those people in power. Uh, if you go back, I remember reading a story once about Abraham Lincoln, and this was during the Civil War. And he was at dinner, and, and he was sitting with, uh, with uh, someone else from his cabinet, and there was a person from, uh, I think it was, the, it was the firearms industry. I think it was the one who made gunpowder or firearms. I'm not sure which one. But during the course of the meal, he kept offering Lincoln money to go with his company. And at some point in, in, that, in that sit, Lincoln excused himself. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. I don't remember exactly how they had it written down. And Lincoln said, I have to leave. And I have to leave because this gentleman is getting close to my price. <laughs> okay. So even Lincoln had a price. Everybody has a price. Okay. If there's enough of money. So he left because he was still a good man and a conscientious person and realized that if he sat there too long and listened too much, he was going to get caught up in, in, in money. And then as you know, anything about Lincoln, he never had a lot of money and he ended up, he probably would have ended up, you know, very, very destitute. Uh, but, but the fact is, uh, one people or one person, one group in charge is never, ever a good thing. It just doesn't work. You need factions. Uh, you, you need there to be. And I'm not saying that the Libertarian Party should be the only party. But, but we need something to balance out all the other craziness. Uh, and, and that's why you, you should be looking for something like that. Now... For 2024, I know it's silly in some ways to look at just the presidential candidates, but many are looking toward the presidential race in 2024. Maybe Donald Trump versus, I don't know, Joe Biden, who knows? But the libertarian candidate would be possibly Dave Smith. What are your thoughts on Dave Smith? Does he embody uh, a good libertarian candidate in your opinion? And if so, why or why not? Well, from, from what I've, I've read, uh, you know, and seen, uh, Dave Smith is, is pretty, pretty good. I mean, uh, when, when you look at, at the field that's out there, uh, I would absolutely take him over a Trump or a Joe Biden. The problem with that would be is the support system. Uh, he would have to bring in uh, libertarians, okay? And this, I'm telling you, the, the other parties would fight tooth and nail. Uh, if you think they went after Trump, 
Oh my goodness! You'd have both parties trying to pick apart the libertarian uh, uh, leaders, and, and so. But I do think uh, that, and and this is why this has to be done on a ground roots level. Why you have to build the libertarian party up, just the way the Republican Party was built up. Uh, so you have enough of people, and you have enough of people in positions, and even more important than a position such as as president and is as nice as that would be uh you need people on the ground level again you need a change in thoughts in ideas it's it's not enough just to have a libertarian president uh you need congressmen you need senators you need mayors you need government uh as far as 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 local governors and 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 local senators uh you need local politicians uh, mayors and and whoever, uh, community boards, systems, everything, uh, from from the bottom all the way up. It has to you have to start putting in libertarian people with that mindset. When people see the difference between when something is run correctly and when something is not run correctly, they will be more apt to vote. Uh, it's it's the ground, it's it's the ground uh, offices. Uh, it's the local politicians that end up electing your your congressmen and your senators and, and everything. So you have to start from from the beginning. So although I think I think he would make a fine president, absolutely, and I would have no no qualms voting for him. But if you want to sustain uh, the party, if you want to change the system, that has to be at a ground roots level, and that means the people that are here. Uh, and doing things uh, are going to have to become more involved. You have to spread the word and people are going to have to start just following. They're going to have to start thinking, but the way you do that again is at that ground level. Uh, if I don't know if you've seen any of these school boards, uh, these school boards from what I could see are and not all of them, but many of them are a nightmare. Okay. Uh, they need to be removed. And you don't need another Republican-based leading person in there. You don't need another Democrat-based person leading. You need Libertarian in, in those positions. Local will push the national. And, and that's what you need. You, you need to start from the bottom and, and work your way up. So by the time you are able to put in, say, a Libertarian president, now he has a, a real power base that he can work from and do some good with. And hopefully that will have a dramatic effect uh, on the other two parties. They'll either have to change or they'll, they'll be doomed to die and be replaced by, by libertarians. I think realistically, Dave Smith runs in 2024. Maybe he will get a big win, in my opinion, would be if he got five or six percent of the vote and he continued to get on, you know, even if it's just some of the Fox News, um, you know, nationally televised shows, the Joe Rogan Experience type podcast, right. some of those big platforms, right. and in effect, maybe trend the libertarian uh, message into the right direction. I know that if I vote for him, he's not going to win president in 2024, but I do think it at least is contributing to something I think will possibly be positive for our country because even voting for Trump, although he may be slightly better than Biden in some ways, I, I don't, 
you know, I don't buy a, a lot of what he's selling when it comes to the debt. I've seen the numbers. I know what, sure. you know, how much debt our country went into even sure. before COVID. Um, and then the CARES Act. I mean, everything. I mean, oh. Trump tried to take credit <laughs> for the vaccines. So, I mean, let's not look past the fact that Trump, although he was a Republican and many people like that he's not woke and things like that. He was pretty bad on some of the most important issues out there, especially absolutely. when you take into consideration COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And, and, and Smith is important at this point in time for awareness. So, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm sure that he, he probably won't win, but it's important that he's out there. It's important. He's seeing people talking to people, that people see him, what he's about, what his message is, because that is what's going to get people involved. That's when it goes, that's what's going to start that that ground roots movement to get people saying, "Hey, what is this about? What's going on?" Because they can't find it anywhere else. It's basically hidden, and they they do that on purpose. Because how many Republicans have turned to be Democrats? How many Democrats have turned to be Republican? I remember when I was living in New York City. Um. Uh, I, I forget what uh, what mayor it was. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, I forget the I forget the mayor, but he was a Republican. He was a Democrat. He was an Independent. It didn't mean anything. It was just a label. It was just all a way to get power. That's all it was. And unfortunately, the politicians that we have now, uh, if if you look at what they do, or I should say, what they don't do, uh, it's it's really about doing as little as they possibly can instead of trying to do as much as they possibly can. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's important that, that he gets his name out there, uh, that people hear him, see him, and, and start to question, uh, you know, the system that we have. It's, it's, it's not good. Uh, it's getting worse. Uh, the more power they consolidate, uh, the worse it is for the rest of Americans. And, and we stand a good chance you know, another decade or two, we, we might end up with a, a, a Chinese model system of, of government. Uh, you know, you look at Australia, they've, they've pretty much lost their, their uh, democracy. Uh, New Zealand has pretty much lost their democracy. Uh, England is certainly not that, that great. Uh, Canada under Trudeau is losing their democracy. He just banned all guns of any type. Uh, you know, so the more they take away from you, uh, the less freedom you have. Uh, that's just bottom line. And, and that's what it's all about. Uh, once a, a government is an entity, and when you have uh, that large of a government, it becomes a living entity. And, and the living entity is just one there to feed itself. And then the larger it gets, the more it feeds itself. Uh, there was one president, even though he was also, you know, hooked into the system and he was far from perfect. Uh, Ronald Reagan, which I admired uh, in, in many respects. And, and he was the only politician I had ever sent any money to. <laughs> I had never sent any money to anybody else, but I had sent him some, some money. And I think I even have a letter somewhere saying, thanks for sending me money. Uh, and, and he wasn't perfect either. He was far from perfect. Because mm -hmm. he was still tied in, into the system. But at least he knew, uh, and, and this is also what bothers me, because I think a lot of these politicians know the right thing to do. 
but that means again bucking the system and sticking their neck out and and everyone is too fat and comfortable today no one wants to do it they they just don't want to you know stop the gravy train and uh you know i, I think that position of senators and, and congressmen and and all i'm not so sure so much about presidents or vice presidents but you know all of all of the uh the perks they get and everything i think it's gotten way way out of control way out of control uh the amount of time that they don't put in working uh it's just you know crazy crazy they can spend 60 billion dollars to give to you ukraine for a war and no money for real health care in america oh i remember them say oh we can't cost uh the, the cost would be too much we, we can't afford it and yet, if you look at Congress, they have the most perfect healthcare system you could ever hope for. So you know what? The, the, the positions, they're too comfortable. They're in there too long. Uh, they, they get to keep all the stuff forever. Uh, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a bad, bad system. And, and it's only getting worse. And, and they've, they've become the new kings and queens and princesses and dukes uh, of... Uh, of our country. Uh, yeah. So we don't have a King and Queen. We, we don't have to, what, what we do is we have all this other nonsense. If the Hunter Biden treatment is not reminiscent of, you know, a, a prince or some royalty, my wife's from Cuba, you know, she always mm-hmm. reminds me of Raul Castro has a son who yeah. just lives it up. His Instagram is just full of him on yachts and just while well, his country's starving, you know, he's the right. son of royalty. So he gets to do right. whatever in the hell he wants to. And if there's right. not, if you can't see a similarity between that and how the entirety of this Hunter Biden situation has been handled, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, and, and, and growing up, I always thought the main difference between us and I'm just using Russia as an example, and Russia was, is that you couldn't get away with that stuff here. That either the press or somebody would would bring it to light and they would hound you and a real DOJ would come and get you and a real FBI would come and prosecute you and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you couldn't do what they would do, say, in a country like Russia. Only to find out that actually... We're not that far from Russia <laughs> when, when you're able to take government agencies and, and collude with private companies to suppress things and hide things and, and go after the opposition and do all this other stuff. Hmm. And then real stuff, uh, eliminating servers and bleach bidding things and smashing stuff and, you know, we're having things where they shouldn't be. And, and laptops and, and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, we don't have to deal with that. You know, that's something I would expect from Russia, Red China, North Korea, the U.S. That, that would have shocked me 30 years ago. And today I just go, yeah, that's because the lines are blurring. We are becoming less and less America and more and more like Russia and China. Because as they consolidate more and more power in the government to do whatever they want, our rights pretty soon won't mean anything. A judge can say, hey, you know what? I, I don't care about the Second Amendment. I'm, I'm, I'm voting you down. Uh, I'm saying, 
no good. You got to turn in your guns. And then they'll send out the police who are now heavily armed with all the army surplus, uh, armored vehicles to, to come and knock on your door. Who, who can resist? Who can resist that? No one. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a breakdown of morality. Uh, it's a breakdown of, uh, just being ethical. Uh, it's a breakdown in so many respects and it's scary on so many levels that I even try not to think about it too much because it keeps me awake at night. Yeah. It doesn't sound very pleasant. No, it's not. And and these are, these are things I used to say, boom, I'm glad I don't live in Russia. And now I'm going, damn. You know, we're not that far away and, and we're getting closer, you know, as the years go by. Uh, it's scary stuff. Uh, there was uh, someone who went over to Russia back in the days of, uh, of, of uh, the real, the real uh, actually, when, when they were the Soviet Union. And he said that he noticed that everyone was walking with their head down and no one smiled. And this was in Moscow. And finally, he asked his, his interpreter, he says, why is everybody running around? He says, oh, he says, because they, they think we might be KGB. You know, so everybody's like, you know. And, and you know what? What do they have now? Now they have uh, institutions uh, of the Freedom Act where they could just arrest you for no reason. Uh, they're looking at everyone's emails. Uh, what, what phone calls you make, they're capturing everything. Huh. Okay. So how far until we start walking around with our heads down, not knowing who's friend and who's foe, uh, it's not that far fetched. It's not that far fetched. They're headed in that direction. The only way to get out of that is to get ethical people back in the government to stop the bleeding, uh, to, 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 to wake people up and say, hey, we are losing this country because of these two parties. They are killing us. And if you're not in that system, then you don't exist. Already, I mean, there are talks of the New World Order and, and they're trying to, you know, reduce the population. They're, they're canceling, well, not, not so, I shouldn't say canceling, but they're confiscating farms in Holland so they can't produce food. Why would you do that? Uh, and, and that's just one instance. There's so much going on in the world. They're cutting back energy production. Oh, gee, you only need that for like everything. Why would you do that if they weren't setting us up for something? Why are they trying so hard to take everyone's guns away? Oh, because then you can't fight back at all? Like every other country who's, who's pretty much screwed? Why are they trying to do that in Canada? Okay. And that's not to say that you can put up much of a fight anyway. Uh, you're going to fight against uh, a SWAT team or the police or, you know, uh, the army or whoever. I mean, really, uh, a lot of that is, is just not, not realistic. But this is, these are things that are, kind of, these, are, these, are, these are the real challenges. You never hear anything about it because, oh, you know, they, they just try and distract you. I remember... Reading in history, when Rome fell, well, I should say before Rome fell, the, the, they were in power for a thousand years, the most powerful nation to ever exist at that time. The gladiator games at that time became more and more grandiose, just bigger and bigger and sucked in more people. 
as Rome was crumbling. Uh, and you can look around, that's what they try to do today with, with TV, with sports. Everything is a distraction to keep you from not focusing on what's really taking place as they suck up all the power, as they reduce all of your rights, uh, you know, and, and you're distracted. And then one day you wake up and you go, oh, a lot of people wonder how Hitler came into power. That's how Hitler came into power. Uh, the people weren't sleeping. Uh, they were distracted. Uh, they they weren't uh, taken care of properly by the existing government. So they were looking for a savior. And in strolls a guy who promises them the sun, the moon, and the sky. And then puts them in a worse way that they could ever be. Uh, and it's just the same thing. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, to this country, and and if you don't see it, um, I'm sorry, but but it's it's a lot of it's here already, and it's just a matter of time as uh, as technology progresses, as they can track you more, know where you've been, know what you've done, who you've spoken to, what you've said, where you are, uh, and that just becomes a greater and greater possibility. Uh, in China, they have this face recognition now. They don't even need face recognition anymore. Now they have the way you walk, the way you hold your body. They'll, they'll put up cameras. I know when I left New York uh, City, uh, they had cameras on almost every single corner. Every single corner. Why? Crime is that bad? Traffic is that bad? The accidents are that bad? We're, we're, we're being set up. We're, we're, we're being set up and people are too distracted and they don't even know it. Then one day they're going to wake up and it's all going to be gone. When did you leave New York City? Um, let's see. We've I've been out here in New Jersey now for about five, going on six months. So you you left New York City. I mean, you saw it get you saw oh, it yeah, in its it, heyday. Oh, so, oh. You grew up when it was great, and you saw oh, it, it was get awesome. It, it you, was awesome. You saw it get pretty bad oh and and it it seems like overnight only because you know the passage of time is, is a relative thing and it goes by pretty quick i remember i i, I brought out him home from the from the hospital so and that all just seems like yesterday and that was you know 36 years ago <laughs> let alone more than that so yeah i, I saw it when it was an absolute jewel uh, and, and then, you know, and, and I've, I've lived to see it just become more and more oppressive. Uh, you know, you always forget, oh, I can stop a cop and they're going to help me. Now it's like, if I stop a cop, I'm end up getting shot. <laughs> Who knows? And, you know, a lot of times I didn't even blame the cops because that's what they're doing over there. I mean, you know, there's guns all over the place. This one of the strictest gun control laws anywhere. And, and you can, I could buy a gun. Anybody could buy a gun. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, so, so the whole, the whole, everything has changed. So, you know, and I saw the attitude of the police change from like, oh, uh, prosecutors are going to let people go. Why am I bothering to arrest people? Why am I? I'll show up after the crime. I'll do it at my job. I'll collect my pension. So this is what happens. Everybody just gets complacent. They figure they, no one can change anything. No one can affect anything. So they're just going to go on. And, and that's how you end up with a North Korea and a China and a, and a Russia and a whatever. When they should be saying no, 
during COVID, and, and this was, I was kind of shocked and kind of proud of the NYPD. Uh, they had sent the police to close down a lot of businesses and the police wouldn't do it. And I think they got the, the U S marshals to go in and, and actually do it. Uh, but, but the police wouldn't do it. And, and who knows what happened to those, those cops. They, they might've been sent on horrible detail after that. I don't know what happened, but then I remember there were a lot of protests and this has happened in Staten Island where I was living at the time. And it was sort of on the news. They kind of like brought it to you for like a minute or so because they really didn't want to highlight it. At least other people should, should step up. Uh, I know there are places out, out West now where they're trying to have 100% gun bans and whatnot. And, and the sheriffs are saying, no, we're, we're not enforcing this. And that's what it takes people to do. You need civil disobedience, not violent disobedience. You can be very, very effective just being disobedient in a civil way. You, you, they don't have to bring violence. All these people saying, oh, you need a revolution. There's going to be a civil war. There's going to be. No, that, that's not change. That's anarchy. That's chaos. You don't need that. That's not what you want. You don't want a destroyed infrastructure. It's the last thing you want. But you do want civil disobedience. You want people to say no. I am not going to accept this. If a million New Yorkers said no, what are they going to do? Lock everyone up? You can't. It's, it's physically impossible. And then that's what starts to change people's perceptions of who is this politician that's telling me I have to do this? Well, you know what? Next time, don't vote for that guy. Don't vote for that guy because he, he doesn't have your, your, your concerns. Don't vote for that guy. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we still think we vote for the president. Well, we vote for the two people that they give us to vote for. So just don't vote for that guy. I, I, I remember uh, in the past, I used to try to vote for presidents I thought would do the best job or any politician. Now I vote for the one who I think will do the least amount of damage. Mm. Uh, that's how far down it's gone. So if, if you're getting uh, bad uh, schooling, if you're getting bad school boards, if you're getting, who is sitting in power? Don't put them in power. Take them out. Remove them. You still have the power to do that. That has not been taken away from you yet. Uh, unless you're using a machine that the Chinese can control. And then you, you know, <laughs> try to make sure it's a paper ballot and you've got someone to verify. It. <laughs> but, but the whole thing is, uh, this is what it comes to. When you have uh, a large part of the country that believes that the presidency was stolen, that's a major issue. If you can't believe in your election process, then you have a major issue. Okay. Uh, because then what are you doing and, and where are you going? But you need people to stand up. You need the police to say no. You need people to say no. You need businesses to say no. So when they come out with these edicts, uh, oh, you have to do this. You have to do businesses. No, we're not doing it. People say no. We're not doing it. It's done. They cannot force everyone to do it. So what they try and do 
is they might drag one or two people out publicly with the help of the news media, oh bless, their, bless their hearts, uh, who are in collusion uh, trying to put us all in chains. Uh, and they'll and they'll try to crucify them, absolutely crucify them, and say, "See, this is what's going to happen to you." But they can't do it to everybody. They just can't. I, there was the, the, the hair salon owner. I think it was in Texas. Yeah. The woman mm-hmm. who refused to shut down. And in yeah. my eyes, especially in hindsight, we should be looking at her as just the ultimate hero. Absolutely. But at the time, so much of the media and people that I know Mm -hmm. and respect, admittedly, mostly people who lean to the left, were just mocking her and were just contributing to this horrible propaganda. And it it shouldn't be. I I mean, it's that is a clear cut case. That one woman, in my eyes, that's a clear cut case of what you're describing. She did the right thing and she should be embraced. Uh, Absolutely. You know, you, you have to stand up. Uh, I think it was Oliver Wendell Holmes. And again, I'm going to be paraphrasing because <laughs> I, I can never remember everything in detail. Uh, he, he says it's, it's, the, it's the duty of, of a judge not just to follow the letter of the law, okay, but to follow the intent, okay? So basically what he's saying is if it's a bad law, the judge should take that into consideration, even though he doesn't write the law. And that means that he maybe he shouldn't be convicting someone on that law. Maybe he should be sending that law back to the people who write the laws to write a good law. Uh, at one time, there were plenty of laws that were persecuting uh, African Americans. That was the law, okay? And there were plenty of judges that stood up and said, no, we are not going to prosecute this law. And they, they sent it back to the people who wrote. He says, you need to write a good law on this. And so you need people in all walks of life, lawyers, doctors, uh, judges, uh, business people, uh, whoever, to stand up and say, no, we are not going to do this. I know you're saying, oh, there's a magazine ban and you can't get this gun and that gun's a li-. Judges say, no, we are not going to prosecute these laws because they are against the Constitution. They are against the Bill of Rights. One of the things you may or may not know, but when Hitler got his, his SS together uh, and and they would swear allegiance to Hitler, not to Germany. Hmm. All of these agents, uh, police and, 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 and army and all, they don't swear in allegiance to the politicians. They swear in allegiance to the constitution of this country to protect the Bill of Rights and the constitution of this country. They swear to protect the people of this country. So if they're not doing that, they are not doing their job. They are out of order. I agree. Uh, Rob, we mentioned it earlier. I think sometime in 2023, you plan on beginning your own podcast. Before we wrap the episode up today, could you give us a little bit of a preview? I hope it's okay that I mentioned that. Um, (laughs) But what what do we have to look forward to? Yeah, well, it's going to be out sometime in like either April or May, I hope, at the latest. Uh, I'm just going to be talking about people, places, uh, events, things. 
Um, it, it could be anything, uh, usually something that interests me though, but, uh, it could, it could be anything. I'm just going to give just a snippet, uh, just, just a little bit of history. I'm not going to go into it in great depth. Uh, just sort of a moment in time, if you would. And, uh, and hopefully people will find that interesting. What I have found with the Kelly Patrick show is, is as long as I enjoy it, as long, like you said, as long as it's something uh-huh. you enjoy, then right. you will have the motivation to continue doing it. And people may listen to some episodes more than others. And, you know, uh, some may catch on a little bit. Some maybe not. Who cares? If you're enjoying it, that's the way I look at it. This is almost like a, a therapy session where I get to hash out yeah. and learn. You know, <laughs> I'm learning from you. And if some yeah. people want to listen to it, I think it's great. Um, Rob, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Once again, Rob Nutter on Twitter at, let's see here. It is at Robert G. Is that right? Robert G. Nutter. Nutter. Yes, Mm -hmm. on Twitter. So I appreciate you coming on, Rob. Thank you very much for your time. Thank thank you, Kelly. It's it's been fun. And uh, when I get things uh, up and running, uh, I'd certainly like to... uh, to have you on as well. I would love that. Yeah, I would love it. And we'll have to do another episode on here again and, and catch up on so many things. Thank you very much, Rob. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. I want to thank want to thank everyone for tuning into the Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. 